Amen. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name's Mark. I serve as uh, director of ward students here at the church, work with middle schoolers and high schoolers. And uh, we want to welcome you here, those of you joining us from Farmington. And actually, we, uh, we made a special camera effect. I don't know if you guys saw it in the scripture video. That actually made it feel like you were on a boat with the sudden jerks up and down. Wasn't that great? Like we were right there in the tempest. Anywho, so we've been looking at the journey of Paul this year through the book of Acts and throughout the story written in the book of Acts by Luke, we see all kinds of hardships that come upon Paul as he's on his journey of, of following God day by day, going wherever God leads him in order to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to as many people as he can. And throughout that story, we see when Paul is imprisoned, we see where Paul is beaten. He faced all kinds of hardships. So now, as we're coming close to the end of the book of Acts, when he's finally going to arrive in Rome, you think he could have just coasted the last little bit of the journey, right? But no, now Paul gets shipwrecked. You know, just to put a nice exclamation point on the whole journey. And, and I wonder, this got me thinking about the times I have been shipwrecked. Any of you guys been shipwrecked before? I have twice. Uh, maybe not like shipwrecked, but like ship disabled or something, you know. So there was this one time I remember uh, my grandma had a cottage on a lake called Lake St. Helen. Anybody know where that is? Near Houghton Lake? Yeah, sure. And uh, they had a small pontoon boat that we would take out on the lake. So, so this fateful day, we're getting ready for our journey. And grandma decided to stay back. Grandma was in, I think, like her 80s at the time, which would prove to be a very wise decision by grandma to stay back during this specific journey. So we're going on our boat on Lake St. Helen, and so I thought it'd be a good idea to sit on the front uh, kind of patio on the front of pontoon boats. You all know that's beyond the wall there. And I was kind of hanging my feet off the front of the pontoon and just kicking the water as we were driving along. Thought it was a good idea. So then my sister and her husband decided to join me up there, and we were just having a great time kicking our feet, splashing water, <laughs> you know, and everything. And then we decided it'd be a great idea to see who could hold their feet in the water the longest as we're going along with this pontoon. It wasn't a very powerful pontoon boat. It was a little guy and everything, so we thought this would be fun. So then all of a sudden, we're having a great time, and then all of a sudden, we notice the front of the boat has, has gone into the water uh, that we were sitting on, and all of a sudden, the back of the boat, this little pontoon boat, started lifting up into the air, and we were kind of I don't know if it was literally vertical to the water, but it sure felt like it. And the engine is just roaring and going crazy. And we all immediately look to my dad and we're like, what do we do? And he's like, jump to the back of the boat. So we're jumping to the back of the boat. We did not flip over our pontoon that day, which I think would have made a lot cooler of a story if we did, but it would have made a lot worse day that day. Um, but we almost flipped over. I don't know if it's possible to flip a pontoon, but we were pretty darn close that day, which is why my 80-something uh, grandma made the good choice to stay home on that ride. And I don't think we ever told grandma about it either. Um, but anyway, it's fine. Uh, so the other time I was uh, ship disabled, we decided to go tubing on this boat that my other grandpa had at his lake house. In this boat, we called it the Valdez, which if any of you know the story of the Valdez, it was one of the biggest oil spills in the history. And we called our boat the Valdez because wherever we went, we left a pretty rainbow-colored trail behind us on the lake. So we were out there on Portage Lake, and it was me and my buddy 
buddy Steve, we were tubing, and then my twin sisters and their friend Megan, and we were all out there tubing, and it was great, having a great time. Then me or Steve fell off of our tube, so we stopped for a minute so we could get back on, and then Megan went to restart the boat, and it wouldn't start. So we're sitting here in the middle of Portage Lake, and our boat's dead, and me and Steve, you know, are just blissfully floating through the water. We were having a great time. Um, But we didn't know what to do in this moment when all of a sudden, Megan had an idea. So since none of us had any idea of what we should do, we all looked to Megan, and she found some old flares on the boat that my grandpa had in case of emergency. And I was like, I don't even know if those work. You know, they're kind of old. But she starts trying to light a flare, and she's having a really hard time. But then— She lights it, which totally shocked her that she actually did it. And then she dropped the flare on top of a coiled up rope that was like a tow rope for emergencies, which then burst into flames and there's black smoke going everywhere. So she takes the rope and chucks it into the lake, which I assume would have been our only hope of rescue having this tow rope, but it's gone now. And then luckily our dads were watching from shore and they saw the smoke signals go up uh, from the boat and we were rescued and everything uh, was fine. So everything all worked out in the end, but I don't know if any of you have ever been there before, if you've been uh, shipwrecked or maybe just your boat died in the middle of the lake and you didn't really know what to do, or maybe for some of you, you might have given a warning about what might happen if somebody did something, but you went ahead and did it anyway, and it didn't end all that well. There was this one time my brother-in-law was doing some uh, work on his bathroom at his house and my grandpa had gone over there to help him. And my brother-in-law was trying really hard to loosen this valve or maybe tighten it. I don't know what he was doing actually, but he was trying really, really hard. And my grandpa goes, I wouldn't do that if I were you. But he kept going. He persisted, broke the valve, water started shooting everywhere in the bathroom. And my grandpa looks at him and goes, well, toodles. And he left. And he was like, well, I told you. I told you not to do that. You're on your own now. Well, I think Paul can relate to all of these stories in some way. And I think you'll see why as we play out our our story a little bit of what happened to Paul on this fateful day. See, uh, in the chapter right before where our story picks up, Paul had warned this crew about if they continued on through what he could see was an oncoming storm, and he had heard a message from God that if they continued on the way they're going and in their journey, they would be shipwrecked. There'd be a total loss of, of life, of loot, of everything they had. But then, of course, they continued to press on anyway. Which in fairness, Paul didn't really have any authority to speak into this, right? He was a prisoner on this ship. And he had no real say in where they were going or why they were going. So they continued to press on. And surprise, surprise, things go exactly as Paul told them it would. They run into this hurricane force storm. And they start uh, losing cargo. They start bailing cargo over the side of the boat. And things are playing out exactly how Paul said they would. So that's where our story picks up. But before we get into it, I think it's really interesting how Paul winds up even getting a seat at the table in the discussions being made on this boat that day. But it's interesting because remember when I talked about my first shipwreck with the pontoon, in that moment, we all looked immediately to my dad for what to do. Because we all just panicked, so we looked at him. And my dad's not even like a huge boat guy. We're all like kind of wannabe boat guys, but like, you know, that's about where we stand. But he was the most boat guy of all the guys on the boat. 
Does that make sense? So we all looked to him, which made sense because he was the most experienced. But then remember that other story about the Valdez when we all looked to Megan. She was not the oldest on the boat. She was not the most experienced, but she stood up and offered a solution and gave us hope. So we all looked to her, which probably wasn't the best idea, but we did anyway. Um, that was a similar situation to Paul in our story here. Remember, Paul had really no position of authority. He had no authority to speak up. I mean, the ship already had a captain. The ship already had a crew of guys who, assumedly, this was their whole life, right? Was, was sailing and doing all these things. So they should have known what to do in this situation. And, and the ship had a Roman centurion who outranked everybody else on the ship. And remember, Paul was a prisoner. They wouldn't look to a prisoner for advice on what to do next. Yet it's interesting because they did. And in his commentary on the book of Acts, Alexander McLaren notes this. He says, a common danger makes short work of distinctions of rank. Let me say that again. A common danger makes short work of distinctions of rank. So these hurricane winds come and things look their worst. Things seem pretty hopeless. And yet this situation paved the way for Paul to take charge. To step into his role of leadership that God had called him to have. But the question again is why? Why did he all of a sudden get this position of authority which he had no claim to? McLaren continues in his commentary. He says this, Hope, as well as timidity and fear, is infectious. And one cheery voice will revive the drooping spirits of a multitude. Or in other words, in the harshest storm... God raises up the strongest leaders from unlikely places. So given this opportunity and his newfound position of authority, what does Paul do? Does he overthrow the ship? Does he take over the captain's position? Does he take charge of what's happening? Let's, uh, let's look to our passage to find out. We're going to start in verse 22 and see exactly what happens in this moment with Paul and his faithful crew says, but now I urge you, this is Paul speaking to the crew. He says, now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. So it's interesting. They're in this hurricane. There's all this storm happening. They're seeing really no hope of relief from this storm. And all of a sudden Paul stands up and he says, men, take courage. He gives them, the first thing Paul does in his speech to them is he gives them a confident assurance of safety. In this moment, Paul could have simply said, toodles. I mean, he knew where he was going, right? He knew, he knew what would happen if he was shipwrecked. He'd be with Jesus, you know, and everything would be great. But he warned them if they continued on, they would face disaster. And all of a sudden, they face disaster. Things are looking grim. They're losing cargo. They're afraid of losing their own lives. And in this moment, Paul could have just sat back and said, See, I told you so. I mean, he kind of did, in fairness. He said, If you would have listened to me, this wouldn't have happened. But... He could have just said, I told you so. He could have just said, you didn't listen. So now you're all in deep weeds, about to be literally. But in a lot of ways, Paul had every right to do that, right? I mean, he had warned them. He had told them what was going to happen. He had every right to do so, but that is not what he does. 
Instead of just retreating and thinking they brought this on themselves, he uses this moment of chaos and disaster and speaks a calm word of assurance, which is exactly what the crew needed at that time. It's exactly what they needed to hear. And if we're honest about the storms that we face in our lives, it's a lot more helpful when someone comes and speaks a calm word of assurance over us than when they come and say, I told you so, right? So that's exactly what Paul does in this moment. He gives them this calm assurance. But of course, words are just words, right? Like think about if you're in the midst of a hurricane on a cruise ship, right? And some random person comes up to you who is actually a prisoner. I don't know why there'd be prisoners on the cruise ship, but they're a prisoner on the cruise ship and they say, don't worry, you're going to be okay. Would that calm you down? I mean, it wouldn't calm me down, right? I'd be like, okay, crazy person, go away. But so words are just words unless there's some authority from where those words are coming from. So that's what Paul points out in verse 23. He says this. He said, Last night, an angel of the God, don't miss this part here, okay? An angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. An angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. So, so with this part of his speech, Paul is establishing where his authority comes from. He had already told the crew that the luggage and life would be lost if they kept moving forward. That's exactly what was happening now. In verse 18, it says the boat was taking such a violent beating that they started throwing cargo overboard. They started doing whatever they could to regain control of their ship. So they were losing cargo just as Paul said they would. So now... The crew had seen the God of Paul had spoken all these things would happen and they were happening exactly how they would. They had seen that Paul was right about the storm, that his God spoke truth in that moment. And now when Paul says no life will be lost, even though the ship will, they have a reason to listen. Because now, of what, because of what God has done, Paul speaks with authority. Not from his own perception, but from God's assurance. Paul establishes that the same God who controls the elements is the same God who he serves and who he belongs to. And not only that, he has authority because what God has done, but he also has authority because in the midst of this hopeless situation where the crew was staring down the barrel of total loss of ship and life, in the middle of all of that, Paul speaks a word of hope. He gives a reason for them to hope. A hope that comes from the God who he serves and who he belongs to. We all know the old saying, right? That dark, it's always darkest right before the light, right? Or light shines brightest in the darkness. And it's kind of a cliche saying, and we know it's not always all that helpful when we're in the darkness, right? But I think there's some truth to it here. When we, just like Paul, in the midst of our storms— in our wildest and fiercest storms, in the middle of those when we remind ourselves who we belong to and who we serve, we can have that same assurance Paul had in the midst of our storms that he had in the midst of his storms. The assurance that no word from God will ever fail. Luke chapter 1 verse 37. The assurance that God is sovereign. Romans 8 28. That word sovereign, if you don't know what it means, it means a supreme authority. And that's what the God, that's the God we serve and who we belong to. And he calls 
us, friend, a God who is the definition of pure love in 1 John chapter 4. Friends, I know a lot of us in the room today are facing all kinds of different storms. Maybe the storm for you is the loss of a loved one. Or maybe the storm for you is a broken relationship. Or maybe for your students, the storm you're going through right now or you kids is not having the right friend who you can lean on at school and you're wondering, when is God going to bring this person into my life? Or for our graduated seniors, some of whom already graduated, some of them are graduating today, they might be facing the storm of not having any idea what the next four years of their life will look like. No matter what the storm is that you're facing right now, can we all... Can we all just take a quick breath and remember who we belong to? We belong to the creator of the universe who brought all things to life. We belong to the same God who sent his one and only son here to earth to show us exactly what it looks like to live a life of love. We belong to the same God who opened up the mouths of lions and the same God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead and established that he has power over death itself. Because of those things, we too can confidently speak hope in all situations, including our own. So let's just take a quick moment to remind ourselves of who God is and yield control of our storms to that same God. So in the midst of this life-threatening storm, Paul, he gives a confident assurance of safety. He establishes where that confident come from. And then third, we'll look to verses 24 and 25 to round out our scripture today. It says this. He's talking about what the messenger said to him. That's why it starts with, and said, the messenger said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. So the third thing Paul does is he gives an example of his own faith and encourages others to do the same. This is Paul's third and final point in this short yet very powerful speech. The promise God had made to Paul about the safety of the crew came directly from a messenger from God. So his faith reminded him that God's promises never fail. God spoke through the messenger with a very strong assurance. And when God does that, it is up to God's followers to use the wisdom he's given us to listen and believe. See, I don't know about you, but when I hear stories about guys like Paul and, and, and you know, one of the greatest missionaries to have ever lived, a guy who was beaten up, a guy who was imprisoned, a guy who was shipwrecked, and yet he continued to follow God's call on his life and do the things God wanted him to do. And I sit back and I think, man, but that's not me. I'm not a great hero of our faith. I've never been beaten or imprisoned because of my faith or my beliefs. What does Paul and what he did possibly have to do with me? And I think it's actually not that complicated. Because the same God who Paul serves and who Paul belongs to, who gives him that confident assurance because of the promises of God, which will never fail, the same promise in Romans 8, 28 that says God is working all things together for the good of those who love him, that gave Paul the confidence and assurance to step into that leadership role that was bestowed on him, right? That same God that Paul served and belonged to is the same God we serve and belong to, too. 
The same God who gave Paul that courage. Remember at the end of his speech, right? He says, the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Paul had faith in this storm, not because he was a great sailor, or not because he was a great weatherman, or not even because he was a great swimmer. Paul had faith in the storm because he trusted God's promise. He believed and trusted God's promise, and God used this storm to take a prisoner with no real power or authority and raise him up to be the strong leader that those men needed in that moment. And I believe that whatever storm you're going through right now, if you trust God's promise that he will be with you in your storm, just like he was for Paul, God will use this storm to raise up the strong leader in you. And you know the best way to have faith in God's promises in the midst of your storms? is to remember the God to whom you belong and whom you serve. Now I know there might be some of you here today who haven't taken that step yet to surrender your life to God or, or give God control of your life. And maybe you're here because someone invited you here. Maybe you're here because you're interested in what this whole faith thing is all about, faith in Jesus. And to those of you, I say, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Keep going. Keep pursuing that truth, okay? But I also want you to know that this same promise that Paul had can be yours. Like today. Like right now. That confident assurance that God will work together all things for the good and those who love him. And that promise is offered to you for free. All you have to do is accept it. All you have to do is claim, this is the God to whom I belong and the God I serve. And those promises are yours. And I know there's also some people here today that you're, maybe you're a follower of Jesus. You've been following Jesus a long time and you just feel like the storms keep coming. Those hits keep on coming and you're wondering, okay, when is, when is day ever going to break? When are these clouds ever going to relent? And what I'd share with you is maybe today you can take some time and remember whose you are. Remember that the God we serve created everything and put all things into motion. The God we serve carried Paul through his journey to Rome, through all, all the storms he faced along the way. And that same God is the God to whom you belong, who you serve. In Psalm 100, uh, it's a short book of Psalms. It's about five verses. But within those verses, there's one verse that says, it is he who made us, he being God, and we are his. When we discover that, give God every aspect of our lives, we can have that same confident assurance in our own storms, and we can offer that to others in the midst of their storms as well. So how do we do this at a practical level? I want to give you a couple next steps you can think about taking this week to remind yourself who God is, the God to whom you belong and whom you serve. And the first one is maybe you might consider starting a reading plan this week. And, and there's a lot of great reading plans in, um, well, in the Bible. And you can search for the Bible app on any kind of device, any kind of thing you want, this YouVersion Bible app, and just search up Faith in This Storm. Maybe you'll commit this week. I don't know how your quiet time is normally with God if you read the Bible every day, if you don't. But maybe for these next five to seven days, you'll say, I'm going to focus on having faith in the midst of my storm this week. Maybe for some of you, 
You say, I don't know if I can do that yet, but you would say every day this week, the first thing I'm going to do when I wake up is remind myself who I belong to and who I serve. When you go to brush your teeth in the morning, you look in the mirror and you say, God, I am yours. Help me serve you today. Would you commit to that just for a week? Or maybe for some of you, you'd say, you know what? This week, I'm going to memorize Psalm 100. There's a powerful thing that happens when we memorize scripture. Those words come to mind just when we need them. Psalm 100 says this. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, and give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. In the harshest storm, God raises up the strongest leaders. Um, I want to invite up my son just for a quick minute here. This is my boy, Micah. Come on up here, boy. And uh, Micah's about 14 years old. He's starting high school at Churchill High School this fall. And uh, he's going to be a varsity swimmer, and he's going to beat all the other varsity swimmers. That's a thing, right? Okay. Um, Micah was born about 14 years ago. And the interesting thing about the scenario into which Micah was born is at that time, our family and our extended families were facing a whole lot of storms. I won't get too much into it, but there was just a whole lot of mess going on in, in our lives. And in our prayer, from the moment we found out Lisa was pregnant, eight weeks in, that's when she found out, was that our son would be born into this storm and he would be a source of joy in the midst of this storm that our family was facing. And it was interesting, when he was born, when he was about one or two weeks old, we took him to meet Lisa's grandma, who we call Nana. So we took him to Nana's place, and she met him and everything. Nana lived in a senior retirement home uh, right here in Northville, actually. And uh, Lisa's Aunt Ruth was there, and she says, hey, can I borrow him real quick? And I was like, the, the baby? And she goes, yeah, can I borrow him? And I'm like, I I guess. Yeah, go ahead. Here he is. And um, so she takes him down, and she was gone for a while, so then we decided to kind of follow and see where, where she took our son. And um, we walk into this room where there's a woman in her 90s who had always wanted children of her own, but over the course of her life had had five miscarriages, and she had never held a newborn baby before. And we walk in the room, and this little guy is in her arms. And there's tears in her eyes. Because for the very first time towards the end of her life, she got to know the joy of holding a newborn baby. And in that moment, I was like, okay, God, you're already bringing our prayers to life through our son. And our prayers continued for him to this very day that our son would be a source of joy and hope in the midst of the storms of those around him and in the midst of his own storms that he would remember who he belongs to and who he serves. So he could have that same confidence, confident assurance of safety in his own life. God uses the harshest storms to raise up the strongest leaders. I've seen it. I've seen it in my own son. I've seen it in my own life. And I believe God wants to do that in your life as well. In the midst of your storms. Would you all bow your heads and pray with me? God, I want to thank you 
for this confident assurance that we can have, just like Paul had in the midst of his storm, when everyone else just saw loss and despair and no hope was to be found, but Paul could stand up confidently and share with them that there was hope, there was reason to believe and have faith. God, my prayer for my son and for me and for all of us gathered here today is that we can face the storms in our own lives with that same assurance that the God who is pure love, the God whose word never fails, will be with us through this and every storm. God, use the storms we face to raise up the leader in us. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks, bud.